Welcome back to another episode of Honor Redefined, where we hold open discussions about the adventures and experiences of womanhood. I am your host, Ariana Williams, and today I want to welcome my friend, Crystal Funky, to the show. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I am excited to have you. Uh, Crystal is a physical therapist, and she is 32 years old. Now, when people come on to the podcast, I love for them to start with maybe just unfolding for us your own womanhood. So telling us maybe just a story of how you got where you are now and just what has life kind of looked like for you from the position of a woman? Oh, um, so as you said, I'm a physical therapist. So, you know, I, I was hardcore and went straight and did my bachelor's and then did my doctorate. And I didn't quite know where I wanted to go, where I wanted to end up. So I started a travel career and I started as a travel physical therapist, um, kind of jumped around the U.S. just kind of seeing not only what specialty I wanted to be in, but what area I wanted to be in. Um, While I was doing all of that, I also realized that I couldn't do this career forever. So I decided to go back and get a master's in healthcare administration as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So... I have recently settled down in Lawrence, Kansas, which was not where I intended to ever be. However, (laughs) um, my family is here. And, you know, as we talk about womanhood and what that journey actually means, um, I've realized that having my family close is a big part of that. Mm -hmm. And so I have three nephews who live just down the street. And then I have another four nieces and nephews that live about an hour away. And my parents and grandparents and siblings, everyone is here, which is, again, not something I ever intended to do. I wasn't ever coming back, but here I am. Mm-hmm. And what is that about? Like, why not? Why is that so outside of what it was that you either thought of for your future or what you wanted to do and where you wanted to land? Yeah, so I grew up in a tiny, tiny town in Kansas, um, middle of nowhere, and it was just always part of me in the back of my mind saying, I'm never coming back. I'm never going to be back in Kansas. I'm going to go out and see the world and go somewhere that's maybe not so conservative and close-minded and a little more liberal, but a little also it's okay for women to be educated and women to make decisions and everything like that, which Mm -hmm. I didn't quite feel in my own hometown community. However, in Lawrence, that's a different story. So I'll, I'll take it. So, (laughs) yeah. So it looks a lot better now in comparison to maybe what you thought it would look like. Okay. Now this closed mindedness, of course, like, you know, um, one of the things that Crystal and I have bonded on over the few years has been the fact, or I don't know, (laughs) however many years it's been, I always like to talk about how long it's been that we've known one another, but it's been a long time. Um, And we, one of the things that we bonded over is the fact that we both are from small towns. And so those perspectives of what life looks like in small towns and just kind of what you have to do to I don't know if the word is survive, but to mm-hmm. to do well in a small town, especially when you are um, in some cases expansive in the way that you're thinking about things and just maybe how you see the world and the types of interactions that you want to have. So why why for you did that matter um, to to find yourself in a place that may not have maintain the same type of mindset so my hometown is a very conservative all-white farming town Mm -hmm. Um, so the views that I found not only going to college but in working in healthcare and going to much larger cities and in my travels going to other countries and other trips that I would take the world isn't small town America where everybody's white and everybody gets along. So in my hometown, the, the thinking that, you know, that there are 
injustices in the world or that women should have rights at the table and things like that don't necessarily um, get viewed by everybody the same. Actually, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of uh, pushback against that. Mm -hmm. So for me, as who I am, to be in a town that doesn't think that the woman should be the breadwinner, the woman should have the power or the woman should be making the decisions and they should rather follow their husband. That wasn't a kind of mentality, one that my family subscribed to, but that Mm -hmm. I wanted to be a part of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that that's, um, that can be so challenging living in that kind of environment and, and wanting to break free of that, especially if that is not how your family has, has raised you or encouraged you to see the world. What do you feel like for you? What are some of the important lessons? Cause I don't want to, what I also don't want to do is hate on small towns. Right. Cause I, <laughs> I know like, you know, for me and you both, there are some really wonderful things that have come out of living in that kind of environment. And there can be a lot of really beneficial things to take with you. Mm -hmm. So what for you, what do you think are some of the values that you learned either as a woman or just as a person in having lived in a small town and how maybe that has shaped you? Um, So I grew up on a farm. So the main thing that I would say with that would be just hard work. Um, But, you know, being in a small town, reputation is a lot so Mm. a lot of a lot of things are based on trustworthiness your word Mm. is a deal like Mm -hmm. if if you said yes I'm going to do this and you shook hands that was a contract you agreed to do that whatever it may have been whereas you don't get that in big cities unless it's fully written out and detailed on contract then it wasn't a deal Mm -hmm. and so you know that that hard work the trustworthiness the dependability, I will say, you know, I know all my neighbors from growing up. I know where all their kids are. Mm-hmm. You know, you could have always asked one of them to help out with something um, or they would have just stopped by, whatever it may have been. It was just a, definitely a close-knit community. Mm-hmm. But in that, you also have to realize that everyone knows everybody and everybody Uh, how do I want to say this? So in that, you also have to realize, though, that your reputation and what people think of you also decides where you stand in the community and also where your family might stand in the community. So whereas in larger cities, nobody really cares in a small town, having those different values that maybe aren't part of the community makes it a little harder to fit in. Mm. Mm. I feel like I can really resonate with that. Not just because of the fact that I'm a, 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 a black woman, but I, like my family, just even like our structure in our family looked a lot different mm-hmm. than a lot of the people in my, in my hometown. And one of the things that for me, I I was raised in a single parent. And one of the things that I struggled with was that my family looked different than other people within the community. And again, that's just aside aside from ethnicity and, Mm -hmm. and race. And so I often was, I guess, looking to figure out how I fit. Mm-hmm. into that grand scheme and how other people observed me as a result of being in that environment. And so I found it really hard at times to either navigate it and or to kind of dampen down those thoughts that I would have in my head about me, you know, wanting to be different. You know, and the thing is too that people when we're younger they're like, "Yeah, you should you 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 shouldn't want to fit in. You should want to be different." But at the same time, when you're younger and you're, you're in that environment, you want, you know what I mean? You want you friends, want you want to be yeah, liked, you, you want friends, you want yeah. all that. And you then from in. a small town, you know, um, everybody knew my parents, uh, several of my teachers had gone to school with my dad. Um, most of my coaches knew my parents. 
but everybody also knew my siblings. So everybody expected you to be like your siblings. So I was supposed to be smart. I was supposed to be athletic. And it also led to this expectation of how I was supposed to behave. Mm-hmm. Also maybe led to some uh, rebellion in high school and some really, <laughs> poor, some really poor decisions that I may have made. However... I'm here today, so that's all that matters. You survived. <laughs> I survived. <laughs> I will survive. Yes. <laughs> now, when you think about, because I, um, of course, we won't air all your dirty laundry or anything uh-huh. like that, but when you think about um, rebellion mm-hmm. and kind of that rite of passage as a, as a teenager and just growing up, um, how do you think that, that that rebellion period in your life helped you to just gain a better sense of who you were either as a woman or yet again, as a human, you know, looking back, mm-hmm. um, I got in a ton of trouble for some of my behaviors and my <laughs> actions, okay. um, being grounded and out in the country in the middle of nowhere where you have no access to get to town or see any friends made it a little limited. Yeah. However, at the end of the day, my family still loved me and supported me. Mm -hmm. Um, So I could make mistakes. I could be in absolute trouble. But at the end of the day, I still had my family. And Mm -hmm. so that kind of allowed for some risk taking that I have taken in the past few years, um, financially, career wise, those kinds of things. Because I know at the end of the day, my family's not going to hold that against me. Mm. that they're there to support you uh, at the end of the day they'll support me and it's not like oh they'll financially support me and give me lots of money it's that I have they have my back mm-hmm. and that allows for more risk than I would have taken had I not felt that support yeah I really feel like that speaks to the the importance of having a strong support system absolutely which is frustrating at times because we know that in the world that there are many people who are not so fortunate. Correct. Um, and in that case, I, again, understand, you know, what you're describing there because I too have a very supportive family and there's a lot of things that I would not have been able to do. And just like you said, take certain risks without that, that level of support. Yeah. Um, and so I just, uh, I just appreciate you speaking to that part. Cause I do think that that's something that, we may not always take, not seriously, but it's easy to take for granted mm-hmm. having that kind of support in our life. Absolutely. Yeah. So you talked about your family and and their role in your life. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about when you think about messages and because you talked about how how different your family life and home life looked in comparison to maybe the viewpoints of others in your, in your community. Okay. What types of messages did you receive when you were growing up that influenced who you are now as a woman? Okay. Um, so for starters, my grandmother, I love her to death. She, um, is a little spitfire and I learned from her that, Yes, you should be mindful of what you say, but you should also definitely speak your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, Grammy always has jokes. She taught us how to play poker, how to skateboard. She had a Ouija board, you know, things. Oh, that... really? <laughs> yeah. Um, Did she use it? Yeah. And we <laughs> would play with that in the basement. She had pool table and a ping pong table. And she wasn't like that typical. I you know, grandma, Grammy was a little spitfire in everything. And she still is. Um, She still walks, she's 90 years old and still goes for several mile walks every day and has (laughs) all sorts of jokes to tell um, and has very, um, she is very aware of, not only that women should vote, women should have a place at the table, but she also is adamant that women don't need to vote the same as their husband, which for somebody in their 90s to think and say and to watch her give my grandpa heck about how he votes or what his opinions on certain things may be, 
mm-hmm. is inspirational to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition, um, I have a wonderful mother who um, not only you know, she met my dad in college, they got married, she got pregnant, but she continued on with school. Um, she switched schools, but she continued on with school and got her degree um, while she was raising a family. Mm. And then in addition, you know, she, there were several years, I mean, quite a big time span where she was the breadwinner of the family. And while there are some things within my parents' relationships, relationship dynamic that I disagree with, um, they also, it was never about who made more money or who worked harder. And that was an inspiration to me to say, hey, you can go out and you can be successful in your career and still have that marriage and relationship and respect. So that mm-hmm. played a big part of it. You know, I went to a very Baptist grad school. Um, mm-hmm. And I remember in one of my classes that we were informed that if we as a woman made more than our husbands, that it would lead to divorce. And I remember really? calling my mom incredibly upset and she's like no 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 that's you know that doesn't have to be and so having that again support and somebody that's been there and done it and can say no there's other options it doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be that way so having not only my grandma for inspiration my mom for inspiration and now both my sisters and sister-in-law to look up to and see the changes that they've made in their own life but the success that they've had in their life as well. Mm-hmm. It sounds like for a lot of the women in your family, they really do try to set themselves apart. And I don't even know if that's been an intentional thing, um, but they really try to stand for just personal rights that, you know, as a woman, I get to have my own mind, my own voice, my own thoughts. And as a man, you also get to have the same. It doesn't have to be about um, me diminishing myself so that way you can you know stand taller or whatever yes. that is yes I would agree with that I mean this past year I believe my mm-hmm. mom reactivated her pilot's license so I know that's so been, cool yeah so that's she flew when she was in college and kind of gave it up when she had a family and career and all of that but this past couple years she's uh started flying again and you know, I know that was a big thing for her, um, but in actuality, the idea for it and everything actually came from my dad to support her to go back and do what she wanted. Yeah. You know, um, in one of the podcast interviews that I had recently done um, with Kelsey Lee, um, the one of the things we talked about in there was this this situation for women that when they when they do decide to become mothers that they have to set aside their their in some cases their dreams mm-hmm. or their careers or whatever it is you know that their endeavors are so that they can raise their children Absolutely. and one of the conversations we were having was about the fact that there are so many women who get concerned because they're like well I have to put this this thing away you know, for some undetermined amount of time. And I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to get back to it. And yet right there, you're, you're giving us a perfect example of how, yes, sometimes you do have to deter the plan for a little bit, but that you can come back to those things when there is the time and space to be able to do it. Absolutely. And I would even expand on that there. I mean, from my own personal experience mm-hmm. and the things I've been through the past year, couple of years, I think society tells us you're at a certain age, you should be married, you should be having kids. And so some of us that aren't in that position, maybe start putting away things to make us more wife material, uh, or Mm -hmm. try to do different things with our life to make us be enough or make us the person somebody wants to marry. Whereas thank goodness, um, we realize that we're jeopardizing ourselves and our happiness. And we have to be able to look at ourselves as a woman and say, is this what I really want? Mm -hmm. Is this about me? Is that about you? 
Oh, sorry. Yeah, like is that? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wait, no, I'm not talking about you. Are no, you? not about me. <laughs> no, yeah, that that you know is is whatever this decision is. Is it about me? Yes. You know, or is this decision about someone else, or what someone else's expectations are for me? Absolutely. Mm. The piece that you said about having these milestones. Um, or things that we do or that society tells us to do that tell us that that's going to be enough for us. Mm -hmm. I think that that's one of the, um, one of the mirages that's out there, you know, that, and, and I think that a lot of that is changing and I think it has been for a long time, but you know, it, it, for a long time in our society, it was women are supposed to do, you know, these set roles and then, over time it was, well, now women can go to college, but even after they go to college, then they're going to have a family. Mm -hmm. And, um, I remember when I think I was in high school and I used to hear people say, go to Mrs. College and right. Get their (laughs) Mrs. Degree. Yes. Right. And it, and it, and, and that over the years that used to be really frustrating hearing people say that Mm -hmm. because then it concerns me because if, this is supposedly supposed to be the thing that's supposed to make me feel like it's enough. Oftentimes people get there and it's not enough and they don't know why they don't feel fulfilled. Yes. And again, like I'm not harping on anyone about, you know, whether or not the dream was having a family. Maybe it was, and that might fulfill you. But unfortunately there are many people who follow what they have been quote unquote told or society has provided this perception that this is what should happen. Mm -hmm. And then they get into that, that, that cycle. And then there's no end to the cycle because there will never be enough things for you. If you're not truly fulfilling your own goals about what you want to do as, as a person and as a woman. Yes. I would a hundred percent agree with that. You know, I look back at my own life and I realized there were some times that I put entirely too many things on my own plate, Mm -hmm. just trying to fill, it was almost like a void, like a hole and I, nothing I was filling it with worked and Mm -hmm. it was actually making my life more crazy and me more crazy because I was just so stressed out from so many things on my plate and and now I have none of those things on my plate and I feel much more complete than I did before. Mm-hmm. It's like a sense of freedom. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Now you made mention that you went to uh, like, a, I think you said Baptist, but like a faith-based college and you said that uh-huh. was for your grad program, right? Yes. Yes. That was for my PT so degree. When- Okay. So for you, how did that being in that kind of an environment, because it sounds like much of how they perceive women or the role of women and those expectations looked really different than (laughs) what you see or, or want to do. How did that, how'd that come together? And how did you, I guess, get through that? I struggled. (laughs) Um, you know, so I really had a hard time with this whole idea of, um, being an educated female and having this earning power and having this power in my job and everything, but I should vote who my husband votes for. Mm -hmm. I should be a submissive wife. If my husband doesn't want me to make more money, I shouldn't make more money. If my husband wants me to raise the children, I should just raise the children. And I had a really hard time with that line of thought. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't tell you how many phone calls my mother and my sister got or how many texts saying, you cannot believe what they just said. And <laughs> I, <laughs> I was mortified. But at the end of the day, I had to pass my program. It was not a, oh, I can quit and come back it was either you get done with this or you Mm -hmm. don't have a degree and you just wasted lots of money so unfortunately um Mm -hmm. I would there were some points I would argue absolutely 
I had a wonderful best friend in grad school, um, Jen, oh, you know, Jen Boots, yeah. um, that I would vent to, we'd go on walks and I would just, you know, we would go back and forth about how we could not believe what had been said that day. And we um, really were each other's support through school. It was difficult though. Um, and I have to say, you know, for the most part, the really close friends that I have from grad school mm-hmm. um, are most, it's mostly Jen, but that's also because we're two people who had very similar viewpoints on not only life in general, but the roles of women. And we were able to bond over that while at a very religious school. Mm-hmm. So again, just going right back to like having that support, the key Absolutely. to having support. Now, imagine that someone is listening to this story who is feeling very much the things that you you are feeling or were feeling when you were mm-hmm. in that in that situation. What are some things? What what might be some advice you might give them to help them just get through it? Because they they may be sitting there listening to this saying man, like I'm in that same spot. I have to just get through this nonsense, but I'm having a, I'm having that struggle. I'm in it right now. I just Mm want to give up. What do I do? I mean, first off, you have to know the reasons behind you, why you think, why, what you believe. So you can't go to any argument and just say, no, that's wrong. Absolutely Mm -hmm. have something to back why you think that, whatever it may be. Um, Have, have, information behind just your, I think this. However, mm-hmm. if you're in a program such as I was, where you just have to get through mm-hmm. as much as it sucks, you have to bite your tongue. Um, mm-hmm. And I hate to say that, but if it determines whether or not you have a career, yeah, um, I, th- I think you have to take those opinions and kind of keep them, maybe find somebody that you can vent those opinions too, mm-hmm. but obviously not let it disrupt your ability to finish school. Mm-hmm. Um, now, granted, these are opinions. There was nothing that was being done to me that was inappropriate or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. It was just that I didn't agree. And so that's, that's where my issue lied. Yeah. So for someone else who might be dealing with something more intensely there, you might have to approach it differently Absolutely. Um, than maybe you had done because they may be dealing with a very, um, maybe some, uh, aggressive type of a situation yes. or, you know, harassment or something like that, that yeah. could be escalating the situation to a degree and mine in was, which you may not have. Yeah. Mine was nothing of the sort. I just didn't agree. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, now, for you, now you kind of told us a little bit about how you've made this transition and all the people and all the women in your life who have helped you get to this point. Mm-hmm. But for you, thinking about where you are now as a woman and in your womanhood, mm-hmm. do you feel like there's been anything that has changed about your womanhood than maybe what you thought about being a woman previously or in yes. you know earlier stages of your life? Yeah, I mean, you would have asked me in high school, being a woman was having a family and being married and having a house and all those beautiful things that you see in magazines. Mm-hmm. But that's not what, you know, not what it is. I don't have children of my own. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been, have done a lot with my career and have done a lot personally. Um, I have a a business where I rent homes to people um, for medical students and medical professionals. But then I also um, went to school. And I don't think that me having a career and me running a business and me doing these things makes me less of a woman mm-hmm. because I don't have those the kids or the family. Um, and I would have thought that um, years mm-hmm. ago. I would have thought well she's just such and such because she doesn't have a family yet Mm -hmm. um and I don't believe that at all I mean I have a wonderful group of female friends um that are very supportive I have all of you guys have 
you know, um, degrees. Most of you have advanced degrees. You're all doing well in careers and it's all different, different things. We're, it's not like all of us are in the medical profession or anything like that. We're all in diff- varying different deg- um, professions. Yeah. And I look at each of you and say, wow, she's killing it, not only in life, but look at who she's become. And I, I think it becomes not only um, looking at who you are as a person, mm-hmm. um, but how you treat other people and finding your own. And I think that all of us have been able to do that in some fashion. Yeah. In their own right. Absolutely. <sighs> Now you said earlier how you, I, I if I recall, you were mentioning how you used to do the travel mm-hmm. um, in your in your in your career, and mm-hmm. then you ended up going back to school so you could get the health administration degree. Uh-huh. Is that right? Yeah. Now, when you said it, you said I can't do this forever, and I think you were referring to the travel part. Mm-hmm. What what made you feel like you couldn't do that forever or what what do you feel like was that obstacle and being able to do that long term yeah so um a couple things so when I say I couldn't do this forever um when I decided to go back to school I was working in Illinois I I have to be honest I loved my coworkers. it was an amazing job um but the work was incredibly demanding I was working 50 plus hours a week um most of my patients were strokes, brain injuries, or amputees, and they were tough, and they were heavy, and it was physically and mentally exhausting. Mm -hmm. And the travel company I worked for um, offered to pay for my degree. Um, So they essentially paid for, I think, 80% of my degree. Um, But the reason I went back and got my master's of healthcare administration is because that I didn't feel that physically I could do at 60 what I do now with my job, the amount of lifting and moving and managing lines and cords in the hospital that I do now, I don't think I could do as I age. Mm. So in addition, the Mm -hmm. travel component of that, um, I ended my travel career um, at the end of December of this past year. Mm -hmm. Um, I honestly, you know, I came back for a two week break, kind of figure out life in general, um, but also to take a break and have my recruiter try to find the next travel placement. Um, In that time, um, my family had several medical issues. I had a family member going through chemo. Um, and it was just really nice to be home. I only had been seeing my nieces and nephews one to two times a year Mm -hmm. for their entire life. Mm -hmm. And then I was having them for four days a weekend or, you know, I'd have them four days. They'd go home for two I'd see him for another full day and then send up you know back and forth and it was just so good to be home yeah and I didn't expect that Mm. um but it allowed me also you know that that break in work allowed me to finish my thesis and then have family around and be back and again have that support um and be able to decide that while Kansas wasn't <laughs> ever on my radar, especially not Lawrence, um, <laughs> it was wonderful to be back and be with family. Um, unfortunately, coronavirus hit shortly after and <laughs> it had severely limited my ability to see friends and family. Yeah. Um, but it's still good to be back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just having, again, that like we keep saying, that support. support. Um, and then... Also, just being able to relax a little bit is what it sounds yes. like. I remember, um, like we said earlier, Crystal and I have been friends for a long time. And for the majority, aside from when we were both in college at the same time, um, she has been traveling the majority of 
of the time that we've known each other, Mm -hmm. which has in some ways been really beneficial because we have been able to go to all sorts of different places and travel to places that maybe we wouldn't have gone to had she not been there. But at the same time, that can get really taxing. Yeah, I, I learned to live out of a couple suitcases and like a carry on like and that, that's all I needed and that's all I would take places and it got hard to not have anything per- you know you go to these places and you're there for three to six months or whatever it may be and there's nothing personal about the home that you're living in it's just somebody else's home that you're staying in mm-hmm. or you know your kitchen table is a folding table and folding chairs and it's definitely not home. So while it was a great experience, it was a great career. Yeah. It's definitely nice now that I have purchased my own home to have my own furniture and my own space. And this is mine. And to be able to have family or specifically my nephews over and this is our space. Mm-hmm. So it's really I nice. control this. There's yeah, a lot this more is power. mine. <laughs> yeah, right. I can paint that wall. It doesn't have to be off-white. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I don't have to stare at this ugly ass wall. <laughs> um, now, does it ever feel weird for you to not be traveling as much? Because once you've been doing something like that for so long, you get used to a certain environment. So does that feel weird ever? It does. Um, I honestly, this is about the time, like, I should be packing up and moving and it feels really weird not to be packing up and moving. Mm. Um, in addition, like when I traveled because I'd go to these new places, I would be like, Oh, we're going to go to this restaurant this weekend. We're going to go to this place this weekend. And we'd drive an hour and go see this thing. And so now that I've moved here and then COVID happened, mm-hmm. um, I haven't even really been able to explore Lawrence. I ha- everyone keeps saying, Oh, have you been such and such place? But it's like, no, I got here and the coronavirus hit. So I haven't, I never went to that place or I never went to a concert there or whatever it may be. Um, I have found that for my mental um, state that I do need to travel. I need to just take a break. Um, So I did go on, I've gone on two trips to see friends um, and just kind of shut things off and take a trip and then come back and go again um so I'm trying to do a trip every two months even if it's like my last trip was just to Oklahoma and we just went hiking and things like that um nothing fancy by any means but it's helps break up the monotony of one job one place Mm -hmm. so that I can not get bored with staying in one area yeah I um I'm I'm really big about moving about the country <laughs> as much mm-hmm. as possible um or the world in general and I definitely agree with that you know I think that it's easy for us to get used to just staying in one spot mm-hmm. and I've never really been comfortable and I don't even I've never even done a travel job in the way that you've done yeah. the you know the traveling and I find myself you know after a few months, like I got to go somewhere, even if it is only, you know, two or three hours down the road, it's, it gives you a different scenery, which helps you to reset a little bit. And then your brain can come back into your environment and get back to doing whatever it does there. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, when it comes to, we, we always like to incorporate a little bit of current events and, just getting to know what for you is really important right now with what's going on in the world for mm-hmm. you. What are you really trying to watch right now? What's going on in, in the communities or a society that's really got your attention? Um, so the first thing would be Brianna Taylor. Um, I'm having a really hard time with yesterday's grand jury mm-hmm. um, and all the dynamics regarding that. Um, I, <laughs> I, again, I have my own home, but if somebody tries to break down my door, I have to, in my opinion, assume that they're coming after me. Right. And it's very hard to sit back and see that none of the people that were involved in that, actually the only person that was involved in, or that was charged, that was involved with that was her boyfriend who was defending them. Right. Um, and I believe the charges got dropped on him. However, it's very hard to see that n- 
nothing is coming of that. That in fact, the only reason one officer is indicted is because he shot at a neighbor's wall, and it's very hard to see that someone is dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it is another black person that is dead by white officers, and that's been quite the story this summer. Um, yeah. And while I realize that that's not just the summer's issue. I think it is on the forefront of everybody's mind. Well, everybody that I speak with, it's on their, their mind. And I find it a great injustice and Mm. that's very hard. And watching um, president Trump take questions regarding that and turning it into essentially praise for himself and praise for things that he's done Mm -hmm. or newscasters to, um, speak on the protesters as though they're doing something wrong i'm sorry it's it's an injustice and protesting is appropriate yeah yeah i you know i think that um this keeps happening we know that it keeps happening it's not new Mm -hmm. um and it is really difficult to watch because you can't i think for many of us there we can't quite understand how you walked out of a courtroom without someone being held accountable mm-hmm. for the behaviors that existed in that environment. And even, even in the explanations that I heard, you know, from, from different attorneys, like not, not necessarily on the case, but just different attorneys who would, you know, who are coming on certain channels and things like that and talking about why no one, really was held accountable for these things. It's, it is really hard to understand how a community is supposed to heal when it is a constant reminder or we are being constantly reminded that there really are certain people whose lives just do not matter in the same way that other lives do. Absolutely. And for me, I, I struggle when I talk to people who say to me, you know, as a response to Black Lives Matter, um, well, all lives matter, you know, and, and then they say, or even just, it, it, I'm not saying that blue lives don't matter. I'm not saying that anyone else's lives do not matter. I'm just simply saying that you, my life cannot matter as much as you say it matters unless you speak, speak truth to those things. And only if things that only if the things that are happening in society right now begin to cease. And I, I don't know. I, I just, I, I'm having a hard time understanding how we can heal as a country. If we don't begin to accept what keeps happening or how yes. this keeps happening or why it keeps happening. And I would also say that the only reason we have so much knowledge of some of the other cases is because bystanders, bystanders filmed it. Otherwise, I think a lot of this would be swept under the rug. Um, and we wouldn't know as much as we do about other cases, but I, I agree with you until we can recognize that this shouldn't happen this has to stop and that black lives do matter you can't this whole all lives matter they do once yeah. black lives matter as well yeah and also yeah. understanding that like my my being vocal about my blackness does not express a hatred of whiteness Correct. like they do not we can all exist in the same place. And I think that that's one of the biggest challenges because I feel like sometimes when I'm talking to others, that for them, it comes down to if I'm speaking and being vocal about who I am as a black individual, then I must then in turn be tearing you down as a white individual. And I don't quite know how to get people on the, even on the same playing field about understanding that position. And I would, again, you know, I would say that the political 
nature that we currently have only creates a bigger divide Mm -hmm. because it's encouraging this disorganization. It's encouraging hate and it encourages that conversation to not happen. Yeah. Yeah. Because at least if we all stay silent, (laughs) then nothing will happen. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) If everyone just shuts their mouth. So, right. Um, But I would, you know, in in that, um, the next thing that I'm really watching is the Supreme court, you know, with Ruth Bader Ginsburg um, passing away, you know, the things that she brought to women and Mm -hmm. has, you know, some of the rulings and some of the um, opinions that she wrote have really advanced um, the power of females um, almost. We're getting closer and closer to equality. I would say that we're not there, but having her pass away and looking at who the options are being floated as, as her replacements is terrifying. And it worries me as a woman, um, what is going to happen, you know, to my rights as a woman, but also my reproductive rights. Mm -hmm. Um, What is, what is going to happen with that? And so I, would love to say that I'm like super excited about another woman being appointed to the Supreme court. Mm -hmm. The ones that I've seen floated, I'm very nervous about and how their opinions would affect my life. Mm -hmm. So similar to what I had asked you before um, about the college, what do you feel like, what, what do you feel like has to happen? Like, what do we need to do as a society? What would you give suggestions, I guess, um, to those who might be listening, who may be feeling some of the same things that we're feeling about um, Breonna Taylor and then Ruth Bader Ginsburg? What, what types of things do you think could allow us at least to make some forward progression? Um, I mean, for starters, you have to know the people. So the people that are being floated for the current Supreme court position. What are their positions? What are the things that they have written about and who have, who do they have connections with? Mm -hmm. Um, Some of the things that I have seen are alarming. So in that, you know, I feel that November is going to be a reckoning and you have to know not only who you're voting for, but maybe what you're voting against. If you're not voting mm-hmm. for this, can you vote for the other one or should you vote against the other one? I mm-hmm. don't agree with America's two-party politics and how we get to our presidential candidates because I would say that the two we currently have are not the best and brightest of the world. Mm-hmm. or of the u.s i guess um however you know what does a vote for one versus a vote for the other what are you voting for or what are you voting against mm-hmm. and i would really like people to look at policies and voters or stances of the candidates and not only just the presidential candidates i mean there are many senators up for re-election in kansas um, you have a big election going as well, you know, looking at what people's stances are and what their voting history is and seeing if who best supports you. And I don't think you need your husband's permission or your father's permission or whatever it may be for who you vote for. I think you need to vote for what's best for your interests. Mm-hmm. So know who you are. Before mm-hmm. you get to that voting ballot, know oh, who yeah. you are, know what you stand for, know the information. Because, of course, like if you just go in there and you don't have any sort of facts, then it's not going to it's not going to serve your best interest and definitely not the best interest of um, the rest of, of society and the community members. So Absolutely. just really being being aware of the inside of you as well as the outside. Absolutely. If you can hang out on TikTok and Instagram, then you can also hang out and read some stances of the people that are up for election. Because Mm. they literally will decide many aspects of your life. And if somebody gets appointed to the Supreme Court, they are there 
for it's a lifetime appointment and they can make many, many decisions that are going to affect the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, I, I love that little, that point that you just made there. Like if you can find time to do idle things then Mm -hmm. find time to do things that really matter. Yep. Educate yourself. Absolutely. Education. Educate yourself. Okay. So Crystal, on this podcast, we are talking about womanhood and we always like to find out from the perspective of our guest, womanhood, is it a journey or is it a destination? What do you think in your opinion? It is a journey. There is no doubt about it. I mean, my life and my views, my opinions is completely changed. Um, I just find that every day, not only am I trying to learn something different about the world or, you know, just a different fact, but I'm also trying to learn myself better. What, you know, what else in the world do I need to know about myself and my opinions or things just in general? It just, it's an entire journey meeting new people of having those friendships and those bonds and not every friendship is going to be the same and that's perfectly okay. Mm-hmm. But finding those people that can be your support system, your allies, the ones that can give you love and support and be there to rally for you. Yeah. I like that. Well, of course, um, to my listeners, Crystal has just given you some really great advice. Go out there, find your people, find your, find your, um, yeah, just find your people, um, and find your support system because they really are key. And if you don't have a support system, then message me. Let's chat. (laughs) Crystal, (laughs) do you have anything else for our listeners today? Vote. Vote like your life depends on it. Because it does. Absolutely. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Literally. Well, it has been such a joy having you on this afternoon. I really appreciate just all your insight. Um, and I really love talking about um, both of our backgrounds, especially when it comes to small towns and just the development and evolution of who we are when it comes from going to that small town life to now living in some more um, uh city type community. So I really appreciate having you on. Uh, to my listeners, thank you for listening today. We hope that you enjoyed today's journey of womanhood. Please join us for future episodes and stories about womanly adventures. I am always looking to expand horizons. Therefore, if you have a story that needs to be shared, please make contact with me on Instagram at honorredefined. You can find Honor Redefined on Anchor and most recently on iTunes, Google Podcast, and Spotify. If you would love to connect with our guest today, which I know you will, you can find her information in the show's description. And if you like this episode and you want to see more episodes of Honor Redefined out there and reach a wider audience, then please share, like, follow us on Instagram. I am your host, Ariana Williams, and this is Honor Redefined. Until next time, stay true and be you. Mm-hmm.